Humans are weird. Not only do we mate outside of ovulation, not only do we mate in private for some strange reason, see our previous episode on that one, and not only do we do the horizontal mambo for a ridiculously long time, far longer than you think would be wise in a predator-rich natural environment, not only all of that, but for some reason, we like to stimulate each other with our mouths. Or at least some of us, oral sex has a long and complicated history, which we will get into in a future episode, but today, I want to concentrate on the most basic question possible, why? Why do we go down on each other? Because there's no way that you can pass on your genes by smoking a pole or eating a boxed lunch, right? Or is there? Is there some indirect, counterintuitive way that it helps us win the game of evolution? Or are we just deliciously twisted? That's what we're talking about today. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the history of sex. The History of Sex is sponsored by Dr. Jillian Kenny, historian of women, sex, and magic in medieval Europe. I'd like to thank our Patreon patron, Preston Ray, for making this episode possible. Hey folks, before we get started, I want to introduce you to a great podcast called Shared History. Hi, I'm Natalie. And I'm Cass. And we're the hosts of Shared History. A comedic history podcast exploring the stories of the often overlooked or underrepresented. The people and events your history books may have glossed over, whitewashed, manwashed, or left out completely. From the Mayan creation myth to the deaf president now movement of the 1980s. From ancient scientist Avicenna to first female principal chief of the Cherokee nation, Wilma Mankiller. If you saw it in a footnote once. Or have never heard of it. We are here to share it with you. Join us in a rotating guest list featuring scholars, writers, teachers, entertainers, entrepreneurs, subject matter experts, and more. Tune in to Shared History on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you know the drill. And follow us at SharedPod on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, share you later. Cass and Natalie are a lot of fun. They are not afraid to let the profanity rip. So if that sounds like your bag, check out Shared History. Speaking of fun, obviously from the topic of today's episode, you can tell it's going to be a little different, a little out there. It may not be for everybody, but for those that it is for, it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's get to it. First, pop quiz. True or false, humans are the only species that engages in oral sex. What do you think, true or false? And the answer is false, but only certain other animals do it. And that gives us an interesting clue to what might be going on with our habit for head. As it turns out, only mammals give head. Whether we're talking about fellatio or cunnilingus, whether we're talking about same sex or opposite sex or whoever you want to cut the pie, it's something about us being mammals. That explains why we do it. Birds do it. Bees do it. No, birds and bees don't do it. Just us. So, what's up, mammals? How you doing? 
there must be some crucial difference in mammals. So what is it? Well, one possibility is our anatomy down there. A lot of other species have different genital arrangements. Birds, for example, have a cloaca, which is basically like just one generic all-purpose hole. You got Mr. Bird coming in the same door that Mrs. Bird uses to drop those little gifts on your car windshield. Now, researchers have suggested that there might be a hygiene issue at play there. That may not be the first place that they want to stick their beaks. But if that alone could explain why they don't do it, and we do, you would think that any species with separate holes would figure out how to pleasure each other right quick, the same way that we have. But they don't. As it turns out, it's not all mammals that do it, but only certain mammals that engage in oral sex. Now, there are three main groups of mammals, and only one of them boasts species that go down. The three main groups are monotremes, marsupials, and placentals. You want to guess which? Well, I guess I should explain them first. First, monotremes are an odd group that includes the platypus and the echidna. And believe it or not, they actually lay eggs and have a cloaca. So like birds, they just have one hole, not two. So oral sex for them? Nope, they don't do it. So at least that fits what we were saying earlier about the hygiene issue possibly involved in a cloaca. Second, marsupials are like, you know, koalas, kangaroos, Tasmanian devils, opossums, all of those species. They do have multiple holes, or at least most of them do. So do they do it French style? Nope, not them either. Hmm. Well, that just leaves the placentals. Do they do it? Yeah, you guessed right away because humans have placentas and we certainly do do it. But it's not just us. A number of other placental species do, in fact, go down on each other. Well, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it's something to do with having a placenta. So here's one proposed reason that at least explains fellatio. It has been proposed that ingestion of male semen may help prevent the female immune system from attacking the male proteins contained in the fetus and the placental wall. Basically, on this theory, oral sex is like a meet-and-greet for the cells that are going to be working together. It gets the female's antibodies used to the male's antigens so that they don't treat them like trespassers. Hmm. Okay. Well, now we seem to be getting somewhere. Maybe placental mammals engage in oral sex for the benefits to their placentas. But that would only explain fellatio, not cunnilingus. And believe it or not, the more common of the two among non-human animals seems to be the latter, cunnilingus. Congratulations, ladies. So if the antigen thing can only explain fellatio, then there's got to be more to it that we haven't found yet. So maybe we can get a clue from exploring exactly which of the placental mammals do it. Here's a list. Fruit bats, hyenas, cheetahs, lions, walruses, caribou, Dwarf cavies, I guess they're some kind of guinea pig, they're really cute. Cob antelopes, thin horned sheep, Indian flying foxes, wolves, goats, Cape Crown squirrels, dolphins, sea otters, manatees, gibbons, macaques, gorillas, chimps, bonobos, and of course, humans. Those are the ones I could find anyway. And those are obviously just a species where we've actually managed to observe oral sex taking place, so I imagine the list would be longer if only we had, like, omnipotent vision, but I can only say with confidence that the list is at least this long. 
And that's fairly long already, right? That's 22 species right there. But then again, considering that there are some 4,000 different species of placental mammals, well, it actually makes it seem kind of rare and unique. So if oral sex could be accounted for, evolutionarily speaking, by pointing to the benefits it has for the placenta, well, you would think that a lot more placental mammals would be doing it left and right, and that just doesn't seem to be the case. The placental antibody antigens meet and greet theory might be a significant factor, but it can't be the only reason, or perhaps even the main reason. There's got to be something more going on. So let's take a closer look at that list. Maybe we can figure it out. The first one that I mentioned, fruit bats, gives us a very interesting clue. What greater short-nosed fruit bats tend to do is this. When they have sex, first the female licks the male's genitals, and then they have penetrative vaginal sex, and then lastly, the female licks the male's genitals again. And a study from 2009 observed oral sex in 14 out of 20 matings and found that when they did this, instead of just getting right to the deed, the male lasted longer, a lot longer, like seven times longer. Wow. So the researchers found that orally stimulated males spent an extra six seconds in penetration for every second of dusting off the old sombrero. And by the way, all of these slang terms are actually historically accurate slang terms. I looked them up. I found this big, long list. <laughs> you can be confident that every way I describe this is like someplace, somewhere, somebody has used these phrases. All right. Well, okay. So fruit bats. Licking the male's genitalia makes him last longer. Interesting. Well, yeah, so that does raise some more questions for me, though. I mean, first of all, is lasting longer actually a good thing for fruit bats? I don't know. Does it increase chances of conception somehow? Or does it increase pleasure for the partners and thus the desire to mate again? Hmm. And then there's also the odd bit about licking him again after the deed, because presumably that wouldn't affect how long he lasts unless it's such a rockin' blowjob that it blows him back in time. So that can't be part of it. There must be some other explanation for licking him again afterward. And the researchers speculate that a second reason why they do it, which accounts for this part, is that the antiseptic properties of saliva may actually reduce STD transmission. So maybe it's a kind of washing up before and after, and then it just happens to have a fortuitous side effect of making him go all night long. Now again, this only addresses fellatio, but there is another kind of fruit bat, the Indian flying fox, where it goes the other way, cunnilingus instead. Hmm. It seems that when male flying foxes go down on flying vixens, God, I really hope they do this while they are flying, when they did that, the males were more often allowed to proceed to penetration. Well, yes, that, that makes sense. <laughs> Turns out that males who are willing to go way down south to Dixie managed to get to fourth base in 57 
out of 69 observed cases. Now, how often did they make it to fourth base without going down first? The study doesn't exactly make that clear. The authors wrote, Although prolonged rituals and competition between males occurred in the remaining 12 observations, we could not follow them as it was beyond the capacity of our visual observation. Hmm, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it sounds like the foreplay preceded every observed mating, but 12 of the couples snuck away to get a room, so we just don't know if foreplay was universal for this study or not. So, hmm, that's pretty interesting. And what's more, much the same pattern as with the short-nosed bats occurred. Flying foxes spent more time in penetration after giving oral sex and followed up with still more of it afterward, spending two to three times longer on the afterplay compared to the foreplay. Again, it may have something to do with washing up. Now, interestingly, the males typically washed themselves up before they even began approaching the female. So, life lessons, boys. Game changer. So, it seems like we found some interesting stuff here. I am a little skeptical of the washing up theory, though, because if oral sex is meant to reduce STDs, it seems like that would only affect those that would be transmitted from the outside of the organs and not from the primary exchange of fluids, which happens inside the vaginal canal where a tongue just cannot reach, right? So there must be still more explanation to be found here somewhere. Well, let's look at that list of placental mammals again. Turns out that more than a quarter of them, six out of 22, are primates. Aha, hmm, that is curious. Gibbons, macaques, gorillas, chimps, bonobos, humans? So I wonder if intelligence makes it any more likely that a species will go down. Because, you know, along with intelligence comes a lot of other things like creativity, and primates do certainly get creative with their mating. Gorillas are known to do it all kinds of different ways, including fingering, fellatio, cunnilingus, and even both at the same time in the 69 position. And chimps have even been observed using sex toys. That's right, sex toys. And it's not what you think, like, like the first thing that comes to my mind is using a stick or something. No, it's more fun than that. Jane Goodall observed that males would often approach a female holding a leaf over his junk. But this was no act of modesty, see. Rather, what the male does is he tears the leaf away, bit by bit, in an almost kind of a strip tease, and he's slowly revealing his throbbing erect member, hoping that the female will notice, like the tearing will grab her attention and then she'll notice, right? And he might have to go through several leaves in this Chimpendale strip tease process. until she finally gets so hot that she can't help but present herself to him. Magic Mike. <laughs> so that's chimps, and then there's bonobos, whose social bonding sex rituals are just in a league of their own. Like, I'm talking, like, purple shag carpets, a bottle of Chianti, and it's like they were evolved specifically for the 70s. 
See, for bonobos, sex goes far beyond mating. They use it to ease social tension, to build relationships, or even just to say hello. And quite often, they say hello by the love and spoonful. The bonobo clitoris is three times the size of a human's, even though bonobos are smaller in stature generally than humans are. And so you can bet, and you'd be right, that there's plenty of nunga munching going on, both male on female and female on female. So maybe oral sex fills some of those other functions that we talked about, like the antigen, antibody, meet and greet, or the reduction of STD infections. But another significant factor may simply be creativity. Maybe intelligent creatures just like to explore every which way that they can do it, and it doesn't take long before they're playing the piccolo and yodeling in the valley, and then they find other purposes for it, like social bonding. That could certainly be the case. It's certainly not at all out of the question that oral sex in the animal kingdom may be multi-purpose, including both function and fun. Which brings us to us. Why do we humans go down on each other? Well, most of the theories that we talked about do also apply to humans, but there are also some theories that we haven't hit yet. And two of them, which are particularly odd but fun, attempt to explain cunnilingus. The first of these theories proposes that sneezing in the cabbage actually aids female orgasm, which in turn aids in sperm retention. Now that's a little bit of a curveball of an idea right there, so let me break it down for you. For most species, sperm retention is not a problem because gravity helps keep the male's deposit in the bank. But for upright walking species like ours, gravity actually works against us. As soon as a human female stands up, the cash tends to fall out of the ATM. However, when a female orgasms, the muscle spasms sort of work the semen deeper into the vault, keeping it locked up. And thus, Anything that produces more orgasms for the female, like cunnilingus, may help with sperm retention, thus making conception more likely. So, for any hopeful parents out there, there's a pro tip. If you need another reason to go deep sea diving, there you go. It may help you conceive. So goes the theory, anyway. The evidence is a bit mixed, admittedly, on whether those muscle spasms actually help at all. Eh, take it or leave it. Now, the other interesting theory for cunnilingus that has garnered some raised eyebrows, I will tell you, is sperm competition detection. According to this theory, a man's unconscious motive for going down on a female is to somehow detect other man's sperm. Okay? So, in other words, according to this idea, getting eaten out is Kind of like trying to pass through airport security when you're packing more than two ounces of toothpaste. <laughs> now, how that detection is supposed to happen, I certainly do not know by smell, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, this one has gotten plenty of raised eyebrows, but it's fun, so there you go. Now, the final theory of note for today, which addresses both cunnilingus and fellatio among humans, is a much more commonsensical one. And it starts from the idea that oral sex is, well, fun, and introduces variety to the bedroom. And that may keep a partner from getting bored. 
it may be as simple as that. You keep a mate from infidelity by keeping them satisfied, and that has an evolutionary advantage. Oral sex may be one way to just keep your partner happy and sticking around, helping to raise the kids, that kind of thing. And it may be just that. But there's an even more commonsensical reason, and that is simple pleasure. We like to have fun. Maybe we need no greater reason than that. Maybe there is no evolutionary imperative going on here, maybe no natural selection, and we and all our fellow animal species just do it because it feels good. That may be all there is to it. Now, of course, it's not an either-or question. It can be all of the reasons that we've covered today. It could be introducing the placenta to the male's antigens, extending the sex act, reducing STD infections, creative exploration, sperm retention, sperm competition detection, meat retention by keeping him or her satisfied, and finally, simple pleasure. All of these things may be at play the next time that you choose to bring oral sex into your bedroom. And that is a choice that people in the modern West are increasingly comfortable making. But it hasn't always been that way. The history of oral sex across human cultures has been varied and complex. Some cultures have been down with going down, while others have not. Why? That's what we're going to find out next time on our history of oral sex. And that's all I've got for you today. Thank you for listening, everybody. Hope it was interesting. If you like what we're doing here on this show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, or you can pledge on Patreon, where $5 a month gets you a portrait drawn in the time period and culture of your choosing. I will draw you, allegorically, mind you, playing the piccolo or yodeling in the valley, or whatever you want. I'll make you look awesome, I promise. Just go to www.patreon.com slash btnewberg. That's patreon.com slash b-t-n-e-w-b-e-r-g. All right, I'll see you next time. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the history of sex. Podcast theme music mixed from tracks by Kevin McLeod. For additional credits, references, photos, and more, see our website at www.historyofsexpod.com.